0: Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to HarvestWarrensburg.com. Man, I, uh, I've prayed much. I mean, even when we were on sabbatical, by the way, three weeks, four weeks, something to that effect, like, uh, out in, in Colorado, Fair Play, 10,500 feet. It's absolutely beautiful out there. If you get a chance to go, I would encourage you to do so. Todd said he'll pay for it, so... Good. <laughs> you know, just uh, just beautiful to be with family and uh, to meet with the Lord. And even while we were out there, I was kind of praying, God, what do I, like, what do you want me to lead the congregation in in these next few months? And where do we go? And I thought about so many things, you know, like identifying fear, you know, uh, uh, service, our, our call to service, our call to stepping up. You know, we talked about that a little bit, like this season requires, it places a demand on us to step up and carry probably what we should have been carrying all along, you know, but carry more weight, you know, so that we can continue to lead this church into the great and glorious things that God has, you know. So I thought about service and I thought about vision, you know. In this hour, I'm sure people are questioning like, wow, what, like, what's, the, what's the vision? Where are we headed? I could probably speak to that a little bit, you know. I thought about all these things, but, you know, I couldn't shake the immensely practical message of finances. How many are really excited right now? All right. Ron is with me. Ron is excited. You know, I, I, how many are aware that we are in some tumultuous times? Is that fair? That, like, like economically and, and just, you know, even world affairs, it's fairly tumultuous right now. And interestingly, Time Magazine... I had put out an article. They said that we just had the worst first half performance in America in 50 years. (laughs) The worst performing first half in 50 years. Anybody think that's a big deal? That's a big deal. What, What does that mean? That means businesses are losing money. What happens when businesses lose money? Are we okay with like super practical? So you have to go back to the live stream to get spiritual. Now we're going super practical, all right? Jesus said if we can't get our money figured out, they can't trust us with deeper spiritual things. So probably got these services mixed. You can sort it out. You know, what happens when businesses lose money? They look to cut costs. Is that fair? What's the biggest expense any employer has? Oh, so there's a very strong likelihood as we look at a potential future recession that some people will lose their jobs. (laughs) Smile at me, it gets better. (laughs) I want to give you a few stats. We'll see some of those things on the board as well. Uh, How many of you enjoy these gas prices? Oh my gosh, should have seen what I had to pay heading out to Colorado. This is great. You are God-kissed. This is like literally God's country. He himself is holding gas prices down in Missouri. You know? Uh, did you know that gas prices have gone up 235% in the last two years? yes, we know very well. Uh, You can see kind of the stats on on the board. Uh, I think the next slide, you can kind of see the comparison from a couple of years ago. Wow, that does not look as good as it did on my computer. My apologies. Uh, What it says there is that the national average for July of 2020 was $2.17. How many of you know it was actually cheaper here in God's country? It was actually less than that. It was like $1.84 when I looked looked it up. And then it says there, in July of 2022, the average gas prices are $5.03. How many of you are really appreciative for that increase? That's a 235% increase. Let me give you some more averages. The average American drives 15,000 miles a year in each of their vehicles. So probably some of you in here, we live, actually living out in the rural Midwest, you probably very much get that out of your cars. You know, some of you on the light end are probably getting 12, but very likely you're 12 to 15 per vehicle. 12 to 15,000 miles a year on average, 25 miles per gallon on average. That means our annual cost for fuel per vehicle used to be $1,302, but it's now $3,018 per vehicle. That's an increase of $142 a month per vehicle. If you have two of those that you're driving 15,000 miles, that's nearly $300 a month in personal cost to you (laughs) That's over $7,000 a year, nearly $8,000 on the top end. $8,088, I believe, is the actual stat on that. Of an increase just for gasoline in the average American home. (laughs) Oh, I told you, it's going to get better than that. It's good. Uh, And then we have inflation. Uh, The New York Post has reported that uh, the average American family is now spending between 350 to 450 dollars a month for the basic same goods and services that you were paying for a year ago. So 350 to 400 dollars for goods and services per month increase right now on national average, over just one single year ago. <laughs> Put that all together. That's six or 700 dollars a month that the average American family is needing to come up with in order to survive the current season that we find ourselves in. And so here's the grand question that I want you to ponder. Where's that money gonna come from? Have you thought about it? Here's my fear. Concern. (laughs) Whatever language you wanna put on it. My fear is that many of you in here have not thought about it and that your answer to the problem is to swipe your credit card and here's the lie that we tend to believe well I'll just do it this once because what else am I gonna do well I'll just do it this twice well I'll just do this this third time because somewhere on the inside you're believing this lie that well, any minute now, it's all going to turn around. Uh, can I just submit to you, the reports are that inflation is not going to turn around anytime soon. If you're swiping your credit card to keep up with it, you are in a very dangerous place. Can I just submit to you, you do not want to live the rest of this year swiping your credit card to keep up with inflation and gas prices. Because it will literally bury you. We're talking on the high end, 8000 to $9,000, 8000 know, I don't know, what the, eight, over $8,000, dollars just say. Over eight thousand dollars? Do you want over eight thousand dollars on your credit card at twenty-five percent interest at the end of this year? How do you ever get it paid off? How do you ever get ahead of that? And probably, if I were to survey the audience out there, there aren't many of you, if any at all, who received a seven, eight thousand dollars pay increase at the beginning of the year when we started twenty-two. I didn't. Thank you, not for tithing. That's not. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Calm down. I'm just showing you this is the level of latitude that you can walk in. Usually, two or three people leave, but that's all right. It's just only two, it's just two or three. Yeah, not many of us got an increase of that level, did we? If we are swiping our credit cards to try to keep up under the lie, then it'll turn around anytime and it won't be that big of a deal. Uh, We're gambling. We're gambling, and, and every time I have... You know there's a reason why those casinos, well, at least in theory, look really nice? I think they look like garbage, actually. Have you ever seen a real one? I'm like, this is the pit of despair. And smells like Hades. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but there's a, there's a reason why they promised you a big payout. Uh, because they're going to give out very few of those, and most of you are going to go home broke, And have to sleep on the couch. You know, when you when you gamble, you lose your shirt. And if you're gambling via your credit card hoping that this problem's gonna go away tomorrow, you're gonna lose your shirt. And so I'm warning you now. (laughs) Have you thought about this? Have you considered the ramifications? Have you considered where that extra six or seven hundred dollars a month is gonna come from in your budget? We look at, this is out of the modern King James Version, which is literally the same thing as the new King James Version. Very good translation. Uh, I usually go with NASB for the purposes of this. I liked how they rendered Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5. It says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenty, but the thoughts of everyone who is hasty only to poverty. Uh, NASB says that the thoughts or the plans of the diligent actually lead to an advantage. They lead to an advantage. So I like what it says about that as well. And at its most basic level, what this proverb is trying to communicate to us is that the issue of poverty, and the, or rather, let me just say, the winning of the battle of poverty. What am I saying here? I've got it written better probably in my notes. That the, now, I, Okay, I had it the wrong way. That the battle for prosperity is won in your mind. Hey, that's why you take notes, because you say it better there sometimes. Let me say that again. The battle for prosperity is actually won in your minds. Uh, poverty is all in your head. Let that sink in for a second. Do you know that you serve the king of glory? Do you know that God has a, you know, cattle on a thousand hills? Do you know that God's not concerned about the American economy? I mean, he's concerned, but he's not concerned in the sense where he's like wringing his hands going, Oh my gosh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. You know that we serve a God who has solutions that he provides before we ever actually have the manifestation of the problem? You know we serve a God who's actually for us and not against us? You know that he's deeply concerned about you? He's, he's not wringing his hands at what's happening in the United States economy. And, and so when we are living from a place of being seated in the heavenlies. How many of you know Paul, the apostle, says that we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus? When we live from that mindset, we're not living from a lack mindset. We're living from an abundant mindset. We're living from a mindset that says, my God can do whatever he wants. My God can send me fishing, and I can pull my taxes out of a fish's mouth. You recognize that's not just something that was in the New Testament as a story, Right? That, that it was strategically placed in the Bible for your and my benefit, so, be, so that we could have a, a much grander level of experience with God, of trust in a God who sees that you need to pay your taxes, who sees that you need to put food on the table. Right? God has this poverty, as a result, is all in your head. <laughs> Here's the problem, though what you set your mind upon grows. What you set your focus on becomes a much bigger problem because you've set your focus upon it. And what you set your heart upon, usually it creates faith for it to manifest in your life. In other words, if you have a poverty mindset, you've actually created an expectation or a self-fulfilling prophecy in your life You've set your mind on that. You've set your expectations on that, and thus you see it manifest in your life. But what happens when you set your mind on Christ, where it should have been the whole time? Not only does God, Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides for us, actually come to our need, come to our aid, he also provides innovation for us to be pulled out of where we were and into the place of where he's sending us, into a a better place, into a higher place. Are you with me? So how do we approach this season then? How do we approach this season of economic downturn? How, do we, how in the world do we look at the season that we're in whereby we know that just to live at the same level that we lived one single year ago, one calendar year, 12 months ago, that it's going to cost us another six dollars or $700 a month to do that? When we felt like probably we weren't putting enough in savings already anyway, how are we to look at this season? And I would submit to you the first way that we look at it is through eyes of faith. We look at this season through eyes of faith. I've already alluded to it a little bit. We serve a God who literally is over everything. He holds the hearts of kings in his hands. And that, the word of God tells us, like if he, if he didn't spare his only son, if he gave us his only son, I say how much will he with him give us all things? We're talking about the God who said, look out of the lilies of the valley, how they neither toil nor spin, yet God has displayed them in such grandeur. Look at how he's taking care of them. Look at how amazing they are. Will he not also take care of you? We serve the God who says, if you ask me for bread, I'm not going to give you a snake. I'm not that kind of God. I'm actually good. We serve a God who says, The word says that if he hears us, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. We know that he's for us, not against us. We know that he has a future and a hope. Every person in this room has a future and a hope. We know this about our God. We know that he's God Emmanuel. He's God with us. He never forsakes us. He will never leave us. We know that he sees everything. We know that he's concerned about everything. We know that he's the God of love. We know that he's the God of compassion. So we have nothing to fear. We approach this season by faith, recognizing that I, there's something way bigger than me happening that my God has me that my God that my God is still in charge. He hasn't abandoned me to this. He's very aware that I have bills to pay and babies to feed. And he's the kind of God as I said before who provides the solution that you need before you ever even knew you needed it. He has a plan. He's already executing it and he's already working things in your life for good to resolve this issue that's there. Will you trust him? But this scripture that we looked at, huh. mm, let me rewind. My concern is often in the body we are not actually walking by faith, however. Often we're rather Walking by presumption. And what in the world do I mean by that? Let me give you some examples. <clears throat> presumption is this kind of idea that, well, I can go home at the middle of the night. And I'm sorry to say this is a real example, unfortunately, from my own life. That you can go home every night and eat two gallons of ice cream, and bind the calorie demons so that you don't get fat. I'm teasing. That's not a real example, but I do like ice cream, as you can tell. Right, so that's walking in presumption. You know, we 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 understand a, a measure of the word. Like we understand that God's calling us to step in and exercise our faith. That we can move mountains when we partner with God and we exercise our faith. We have everything that we request of Him when we pray according to His will. Like we we understand all of that, but we're misapplying it. We're 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 also missing the mark that says I'm also a temple. I'm also a steward of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I have to be a good steward of my body. Ecclesiastes says, you fool. Why should you die before your time? You mean that's possible? Yeah, it's called two gallons of ice cream in McDonald's every night. (laughs) Our decisions are important. It makes a difference in our life. And we can. We can. We can make some serious ice cream mistakes, and you can bind all the calories that you want, but you're also missing the fact that God's the God of wisdom, and you're not walking in wisdom. Right? So it's walking in presumption. How does that relate to finances? I, I would submit to you, as it relates to, to finances, it's it's kind of the idea that that I can not be a good steward and squander everything that's been entrusted to me. And well, I'm just believing for a miracle, brother. You've squandered everything that you've touched. You You, like... You bury the talent in the backyard. You didn't do anything with it at all. I'm just, I'm just believing for a miracle. Listen, you're, you're not meant to by God. You're not designed by God to live miracle to miracle. And I'm not talking about the sense in which you heal the sick. That you're supposed to do all the time. I'm talking about the sense in which it's like, oh God, I need a miracle. How many of you know? Most of the time, when we're crying out for a miracle, it's at our own de- it's, it's at our own hand. It's something that we've done, poor decisions that we've made that caused me to go, oh God, I need a miracle right now. Now, how many are really glad that he's gracious and compassionate? That he's like that he's slow to anger and uh, that he does he comes to our aid. But you're not supposed to live miracle to miracle like that. The Israelites in the the story. Of them making their exodus out of Egypt, if you'll recall. You know, every day God sent the miracle of manna and provision to them. Every single day this manna shows up. Oh God, thank you for these miracles. Guess when those miracles stopped? The moment that they crossed into the promised land, the the land of the blessed. You're not supposed to die in the wilderness. Do you know that? In the wilderness, it's miracle to miracle, it's hand to mouth. I I just need a miracle to survive the day. I've got you covered. Hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. You're not called to live like that. You're called to cross the boundary into the land of the blessed, into your promised land. Here's the problem. In order to stay in the land of the blessed, you actually have to be a good steward. It places a demand on you because the manna's not coming. But he gave you land. What do you do with that? Plant food. You have to be a good steward if you're going to see the fruit in the land of the blessing. We're not only called to think like Christ as it relates to our faith and getting our mind in the Word and allowing the Word to become our Word and not something that is trying to change the way that I think, but literally till it becomes the way that I think. We're not only doing that, but it also says, That we're called simply to think. You're called to think. It says, the thoughts of the diligent lead to advantage, prosperity. The thoughts so it's not only thinking like God in and, and, and the sense in which I'm going, yes, God, those are your ways and I believe you. It's also just simply waking up to the reality that there's some stuff happening around me and I can see it with my own eyes. And now that I see it with my own eyes, I'm responsible to do something about it. So often we approach the life of faith by doing nothing, by doing nothing. You know, well, I'm just believing God, brother. Well, what are you, what are you doing? No, I'm not doing anything. I'm just, I'm just waiting on God. You know, waiting on God usually doesn't mean that you're doing it on the couch with bonbons or a bag of guy's potato chips, which, by the way, are the best barbecue you've ever tasted in your life. Waiting on God doesn't mean that I have an opportunity now to be unfaithful, right? Jesus talking about His uh, return, His eventual return. He says, "Blessed is the servant who is actually found working." He didn't say waiting. Sit back and wait on Me to return. I'm just believing for a miracle. Why? Because I'm not doing anything, and now I need a miracle. (laughs) No, He's called us to work. He's called us to work. He's called us to step in. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. He's called us to step in with tenacity. He's called us with our faith to step out and trust Him and to see something happen. Do you, are you seeing the difference? We're not supposed to die in the wilderness. I think sometimes our sense of waiting on the Lord is really just a... Religious idea that gives us an excuse to continue to be lazy. It's okay if I share some thoughts today. (laughs) Just an excuse, a spiritual excuse to continue to be lazy. If you want to maintain the lifestyle that you have at present, understanding that if you're not experiencing six or seven hundred a month of shortfall that you are experiencing some level because I know what th- everything is costing. I just had Bud Knight this morning say he went out to a restaurant to get the exact same meal that he always gets at the restaurant. It used to be $9, but yesterday it was 16 He said, that's the last time I'm going there for a while. You know, how many of you know that's <laughs> double? Things are going up. So maybe it's not 6 or 700 for you but it is it is affecting you if you have your eyes open. So what are we doing? What are we doing about it? If you want to maintain this lifestyle, if you want to maintain the same lifestyle that you had a year ago, you need to lean into Jesus right now. You need to lean into Jesus. You're going to lean into Jesus in faith. We already talked about that. You're going to to position yourself, keeping your eyes on the author and finisher of your faith. And not only is he going to provide for you, I said a minute ago, he'll also innovate for you. So for some of you, if you're wanting to maintain this lifestyle and you're not wanting to make that sacrifice, you need to start asking the Lord for some creative ideas. Maybe that Etsy store that you've been looking at and thinking, oh, I've just been, you know, messing around. I'm just not sure I'm supposed to do that or not. Maybe this is your season to do that so that you can offset the amount of money that's going out the door and maintain your lifestyle. Maybe some of you, rather than innovate, maybe some of you just need to cut back a little bit. Maybe you just, maybe you figure out how to partner with a co-worker to commute to work to save some gas money. Maybe you plan out your life a little better rather than just kind of running all over the place, and you think, okay, I know that on Monday I'm going to be driving right by the grocery store, and so since I know I'm already going to be there, I'm going to allot an extra hour to go after that so that I don't get home and go, oh, I forgot, we need milk, and then have to drive all the way back and waste a half gallon of gas, right? Some of you are just going to simply have to to think about your lives and consider, okay, where are we going to scale back? Where does it make sense for me to look and where I can actually create a little bit of margin back in my situation? Does this make sense? This is what I should have started with. In the beginning, I opened up with what happens when companies begin to lose money. They start to cut costs. Where's the number one place they start to cut costs? Jobs. A few of you were listening. It's good. They start cutting jobs. Unemployment starts to get on the rise, right? Right? Okay, so if you can see that there's a possibility of that coming, I guess the next question is, do you have an emergency savings account? I would recommend that you save six months' worth of your bills so that you can endure any storm that comes. Do you have an emergency savings account? I'm guessing the answer, probably, if you're a typical American, is a big no. No, you don't. Okay, so right now then, if there's the possibility that you can see this coming, how huh, I can see a recession on the horizon, then what do I need to do, God, to be wise and to show myself diligent, to show myself approved in this area? Oh, I don't have an emergency savings account. That seems like that's pretty wise. So then I sacrifice, I'm, I thought that was a monster. I was like, you sacrifice drinking monster on Sunday mornings. <laughs> you, know, you know, maybe you stop buying soda pop at the grocery store. Maybe you, you know, Maybe you cut your cable bill. Oh, not that. <laughs> Who still has cable? <laughs> Cut the tie anyway. <laughs> okay. You start evaluating needs versus wants and you get rid of the wants until you have backfilled your account for six months so that you can endure the storm. You know, maybe God would have you put enough in there that you can help somebody else endure their storm too. You ever thought about that? But it's going to take sacrifice for you right now to be able to enter into that. And here's the thing, guys. If you're at a place in your life... And listen, I understand what it's like to go from nothing to finally being like, hey, I think we could maybe get a McDonald's hamburger. Like, I know the journey really, really well. You know, between, yeah, I know that ice cream's only a dollar, but we don't have the dollar, you know, to, yeah, sure, kids, get the ice cream coming. I, like, I get it, right? And, and when you get to the other side of that journey, the problem is you start to feel entitled. You start to feel like, you know what? I've worked too doggone hard to sacrifice now. I've already been over there. That was a long time ago. I've jumped those hurdles, and now we're over here where I can actually get an ice cream scoop once in a while. Only at B and G's because they're two bucks. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, and we, in this there's an entitlement that grows into that where we're like, you know what? I've worked. I've worked long and hard. I deserve that. If you're at a place where you are having trouble with and or blatantly refuse to say no to yourself and your flesh then you got bigger problems than money anyway. Listen, and a fast from those things might be just the thing that you need in your life to get yourself re-centered on Jesus. Yes, Lord, bless those kids. Get them. Emergency fund, good. I also talked about the price of goods and services going up. Remember, the thoughts of the diligent. Lead to plenty. That's the word that we're working with here. The thoughts of the diligent lead to plenty. Have you considered this? Have you considered where that money's gonna come from? Have you pondered? Have you looked at your budget? Have you called a family meeting? Have you said, hey kids, we're probably not gonna go out on Sunday afternoons for a little while? Have you had those conversations? (laughs) Again, or are you just swiping the card? Listen to this proverb. Starts out by kind of saying, if you've been ensnared by the words of your mouth. Anybody ever been ensnared by the words of your mouth? (laughs) Let's just broaden the context to if you've ever been ensnared, if you've ever found yourself in a bad way. Interestingly, the context of what we're about to read is financial. So let's just suggest for a second, if you've ever been in a financial hardship, here it says this verse 3 proverbs chapter 6 it says do this then my son and deliver yourself since you have come into the hand of your neighbor go humble yourself and importune your neighbor excuse me give no sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelid now the first thing i want to point out is this did you know that do you know that work is not from the devil do you know that working hard is actually a creation of God? You know, that it's actually okay that you're fulfilled. You can't get your identity from it, but it's okay that you get some fulfillment from working hard. He's actually created you, He's designed you to work hard. How many of you know that's in contrast to the American way? You only work hard so that you can retire and work not at all. Isn't that the system here? But can I just submit to you that that's not actually biblical? Now, retiring someday because you're older and maybe you can't do the things that you used to be able to do physically? Okay, that's fine. I've got a grid for that. But then, like, refiring in some of the things that God has for you? The older sowing into the younger? Discipling? Getting involved in the kingdom? Giving your money away? There's so much that you can do, but you refire. You don't retire. God doesn't say that we get to work so that we can do nothing. He says to do everything, like, with everything that you've got on the inside of you, as if for the Lord himself. How many of you would change the way that you're working on your own lawns, let alone in your place of employment, if you actually perceived that you were working for the Lord and not for man? But that's what the Bible calls us to to work as if I'm actually serving the Lord and doing so. How many of you know that means I'm gonna do it with everything that I've got on the inside of me and I'm gonna do it with excellence? Work is not demonic. It's actually good and healthy. How many of you have ever heard the story of the guy who retires and does nothing and dies like a week later, a year later? We are not designed to be idle and to do nothing. We're designed by God to work. And here we're being admonished, work like crazy. If you found yourself in a hardship, if you've found yourself in a, in, a, in a way financially, or even if you, in this sense, you've been a good steward and you actually see some things coming on the horizon, it says work your butt off and make something happen. Do you know how many people I've had in my office who I've counseled on finances? And I go, wow, looks like you're really in a bad way. Uh, I, would, I would drop the cable bill. No, not that. We, we, we refuse. We have to have that. You've got to watch TV. Okay. You're aware that there's a free option, right? No, we can't cut our cable bill. You know, you might consider using a coupon at the grocery store. No, that's what poor people do. Uh, I got news for you. Maybe you ought to get Always Save. You know, instead of Bougie Serves or whatever you want. You know, whatever the expensive stuff. I don't know what the expensive stuff called. I don't get it. No, we can't get we can't get all we Save. We can't get great value. It's like no value. What would the neighbors think? You? Know how many people? I'm mean, being a little facetious, but they've sat down in front, and I'm like, oh, "Let me see, let me see your gro- let me see your grocery receipt. You bought four cases of soda last month? Uh, let's go with zero. <gasps> I can't do that. Do you know how many people I know would rather be a beggar than to actually do what it takes to get their financial house in order? I'll just be a beggar. Why don't you just give me money, Todd? I say Todd, but you kids, but Ron. Hey, Ron, you're a really good steward. This is what really chaps my hide. Hey, you're a really good steward. You've actually lived within your means, and you've set aside money, and you're a generous giver. Well, guess what? I've got a need because I've squandered all of mine. Can you give me your money? Huh, that doesn't seem like a great system to me. Interestingly, what does it say here? Huh. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Work your butt off to resolve the problem. Don't become a beggar. That's what it says. Verse 5. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hunter's hand and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. When was the last time you hunters, and not the actual hunters, but the ones with crossbows and guns, you know, when, when was the last time you ever saw a deer stand up right on his back, two legs, and, 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 and pin a target over his heart? Right here, hunters. There you go. I know you need to feed your family. You've seen it. Shut it up. It's ruining my illustration. <laughs> You know, it doesn't happen, contrary to whatever miraculous story he's got going on over there. You probably want to talk to him after service today, right? Uh, you know, everyone I've ever seen, like, will, will run from you. Like, what happens when an animal gets caught into a trap? My neighbor's a trapper. He's got these claw trap things, and he does the hides and does all the different stuff. What happens when they get in there? Well, if they get in there a night before you get there, you're going to find a gnawed-off leg there instead of an animal. Why? Because they will literally chew their own leg off to get out of the trouble that they're in. What is this saying to you? Chew your doggone leg off to get out of the trouble that you're in. Take extreme measures. Stop making excuses. Go after this like your life depends on it. Don't be a beggar. That's what it says. Now, because I'm on my high horse, I want to add something to this. It's a good view up here. It's the only time I've had a view that (laughs) high. Isn't this what Jesus says about our sin? Think about it. If your eye causes you to sin, what does he say? Gouge it out. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm imploring you to take extreme measures in your life to rid yourself of this thing which is a plague to you. This will be your death. Go after it like your life depends upon it. Don't make excuses. Don't tell me what your daddy did to you. How many of you know if you got saved, you got a new daddy and he's redeemed all that past stuff. Don't tell me what your daddy's done to you. Don't tell me what side of the tracks you were on. Don't tell me how you're a victim and that you were disadvantaged. Do everything in your power like an animal. If you're a human being caught in the trap of sin, gnaw your leg off to get out of that. No more excuses. Go after God like your life depends upon it. Does this make sense? But it's more than that. It's, it's this broadest context of this is kingdom. See, now, can you see the contrast between the typical message of, well, just, just wait on the Lord and wait for your miracle, brother, and what this is admonishing us to do here? Go after this like you're an animal caught in a trap and your life depends upon it. If you've gotten yourself into any kind of snare, whether that's a financial situation, whether that's some sort of sin that has easily entangled you, whatever your issue is, go after this with everything that's on the inside of you. Maybe that means you need to pull out of some ministry. Maybe that means you need to stop doing some extra activities and you just need to take that time back before the Lord. Maybe that means you need to shut the TV off. That's called a fast, by the way. Maybe you need to spend some time in fasting and prayer. You don't just shut the TV off and go to bed. You shut the TV off and take that hour, mm, let's be a little more accurate, two, and you devote it to the Lord. God, I need your help. I need you to move and intervene over these finances, over this sin, over this relationship issue. I need you to move heaven and earth, and I am willing to stop my normal routine in life to go after this thing because my life literally depends upon it. Do you see that? And I would submit to you as we look with wise eyes of a steward to the things on the horizon and to the reports that we're getting on finances. That we should go after emergency savings and you know, getting our financial houses in order, doubling down on your debts and all those kinds of things. We should be doing that now like our life depends upon it. The truth is, if we're all in debt and we're a mess, we can't help other people. And that's not what Corinthians tells us. It says, if you give, it'll be given unto you. God will bless your stewardship and give you more so that you can give more. You can't ever enter into the contract with God if you're all up in debt and messed up, can't put money in savings, and you're staring at a recession, and you're staring at inflation, and you're staring at a 235% increase in in gas cost. Is this making sense? Very practical. Verse 6, Proverbs chapter 6. As we wrap up with just reading the remaining of what is there, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. Remember, we talked about this? Like, we serve the God of wisdom, right? Observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief or officer or ruler, pastor doesn't have to tell you to do this. Your boss doesn't have to tell you to do this. By that, I mean your wife. Which, having no chief, no officer, no ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will, when will you arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come like a vagabond and your need like an armed man? That's a scary thought right there. So how do we look at this season of economic downturn, when costs, personal costs are going up, how do we approach this season? We think. We think. First thing is we think like God and we step into faith because He's a really good Father. He's a really good provider. He really does see you. We think like God. We stand into faith. Secondarily, We think, we use our brain, we see what's there and we don't just swipe our card hoping that it all just goes away someday. We step into wisdom. We look like the ant preparing now for what we see on the horizon and guess what? If you have prepared and you've scaled back your life and everything goes amazing and the economy turns around and you find out you got a couple thousand bucks in the bank, give it to somebody then. Oh, think I was wrong. I didn't need that. I didn't need that at all. Good. Go bless somebody then. Now you've positioned yourself to actually initiate the Corinthians Scripture. Give, and it'll be given unto you. Press down, shaken together. I don't know that that's the Corinthians one, but you get the point. <laughs> you understand that wisdom and faith aren't mutually exclusive? Do you remember the story of Joseph. What did Joseph do when he saw what was coming on the horizon? He said, hmm, I'm going to step into the wisdom of God and I'm going to begin to prepare right now. Let's begin to set aside for what I see coming. Did he have a lack of faith or was he in God's will? He was in God's will. I think we've been seeing some of these things the wrong way for a while. God is still the God of wisdom and we step into that wisdom with faith. I'm doing, I'm executing what he's asking me to do. I'm being a wise steward. And when you're faithful, wise steward, God puts you in charge of much. Isn't that the story of Joseph? Yes, it's the story of Joseph. That was a very good point, Pastor. (laughs) The second thing is this. What do we do in the season of of economic downturn and, and personal increase of cost? We work hard we work hard. We bless our employers. We work hard to prepare for what we see coming. We, 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 we you know, we, we sacrifice. You know, it's okay to skip a meal. Like, it's, it's okay to actually not go out to eat on a Sunday afternoon. It's okay. Like, we've become accustomed to great prosperity in America. It's all right if we skip a, Some of us really need to skip more than a meal. <clears throat> some of us could fast a little more. You know, they say three days without food. I'm thinking I'm probably at least in three months' worth. You know, I'm probably three-month mode. I could fast a meal or two, right? We don't necessarily have to have ice cream every night and certainly don't need two gallons of it. Goodness gracious. We work hard. We approach it by faith. We think about the future. We look at the circumstances that are around us. We trust God to take care of us, and we work we work to get ourselves out of debt. We work to get some savings built up. We work to get those credit cards cut up and canceled. We buy Toyotas. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't on the list, but you know, it's a free one. You got that. That's, yeah. <laughs> because they last forever. You know, I have 270,000 miles on my Corolla, and I just put 2,000 miles on it on a trip to Colorado. Didn't miss a beat. Thank you, Jesus. It's not Toyota completely, although it's like, you know, 50% the other 50%'s favor because I've never had God ever not meet my faithful stewardship with his abundance. Amen. Amen? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for helping us to see. And hopefully, I just bless this congregation, God, to be financially free even in this season of increased expense. I bless them, God, to have increase and advancement in their jobs, pay raises and increases, favor everywhere. Whoa, we're going to fall off the stage. I bless them, Jesus, to be good and faithful stewards such that even in this season, God, they're able to be generous and give to those who are in need. This is your desire, God. You've set us up for such a time as this. You've set us up for it. We ask, we give ourselves to you to be used but also we're asking for wisdom, tenacity, the ability to say no to ourselves, wisdom and getting our financial houses in order. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.